If you get an assignment that you think is not that exciting, well, that's exactly why they hired you. That's what you're supposed to bring. If they had something interesting to show, they would have just shown it. But your job is to figure out a way to make an idea that is so interesting that you want to draw it or make it. the podcast for curious creatives. Today's guest is Joyce Hesselberth, the co-founder of Spur Design. And I think this might actually be our most how-centric episode, which might be attributed to Joyce's fearlessness. She's actually willing to sort of try to master anything, and that really comes through in the insights she provides. So let's get into it. Okay, Joyce, so I hope, uh, number one, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, hopefully this won't sound weird, but told Sean this earlier uh, a few weeks ago. I actually don't know where I was, but I stumbled across um, some images from The Very Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carle. And mm-hmm. I had this like really emotional reaction to it. And it was almost like I was transported back to my childhood. And I mean, it was really out of nowhere. I was like, oh my God, I know all of this and it just started mm-hmm. flashing through. And I, we had already scheduled the interview with you. So I thought of you because you, one of the things that you've done is, is illustrated children's books. And I guess, um, I thought maybe if I was an illustrator of children's books, I would be very proud of myself if that happened. So why do you, why did you get into that? I guess is my point. Oh, it's, it's probably books like that. I mean, that book is iconic and amazing and, you know, was one that I don't, I don't necessarily remember as a child being special to me, but being special to my kids. For me, I think it was that ability to have something that um, that stayed with you your whole life. You know, those books that you had as a kid that you remember, and um, then you look back on them twenty years later or whatever, and they still are so they're so permanent in your memory and so life changing. So you know, for me, there's a stack of books like that too that was so important. And I thought that um, if you're thinking about what kinds of things you can create, some of these things like are in the trash the next day and they're gone really fast, which is his own set of, of um, creative problems. And it's, it's kind of, that's not bad either because you're, you have a certain freedom. Um, but when you're creating books, there are things that live on our shelves forever and they have like this impact on, on kids and parents and teachers. And I think that's, to me, that's a really nice spot to be. And it's great because I have all of those in my household, my wife being a teacher and she comes from a long line of teachers. And I, before that, I'd never been exposed to the hoarding of books. (laughs) It is, we have so many books and it's great because my, my, my daughters are voracious readers and my wife is as well. I wish I could read more, but I don't, I'm, I'm in bed by eight 30 and I, whatever. But, but I, I think to your point, like those things will last a lifetime and they will, there is like a nostalgia that, that will just, as they're formulating their brains, that they're going to come back to much like Jed stated Mm -hmm. here, which is why we were excited to kind of talk to you because not only are you doing those traditional books, but now you're kind of jumping into the app realm. You're taking, right. you're, you're building on that <laughs> and you're doing it for today's kids. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think it's not, it's not a moving forward to apps. It's kind of a both thing that yeah. children's books as print are not going anywhere at all. They are, they are here. And a number of years ago, everyone thought, you know, eBooks were going to kind of wipe out the printed children's book. And that has just not happened that um, there's something about this experience of sitting down and, and reading a paper book um, in your hands with with a child that is never going to end, and eBooks are are just another great way, and apps also another great way to kind of expand the learning. Because I also am sure that kids are going to interact with technology, and I think it's really important that if they're interacting with technology, um, that it's good content that we're giving them something that's like interesting visually and useful educationally. Um, so yeah, those things go hand in hand. I think it's important to not, not think that one's going to be replaced. They're going to live together happily, I think forever. Well, I think we'll get into those uh, quite a bit more, but that brings up an interesting question, I think. And that is if somebody, you know, you're, you meet somebody at a party or on the street somewhere and they say, what do you do? How do you, how you, de- how do you describe yourself? <laughs> That's been changing lately. I think it's interesting because in your, in your career, you have time for a bunch of different careers. Um, so that has changed lately. And lately what I say is I'm an author illustrator, which is new in the last illustrator has been going on for a while, but author is a new title that I'm (laughs) trying to, um, trying to embrace now that I'm on my, I'm working on my fourth book that I've written now. So, um, 
that's a, that's the current title, but I'm also a designer. I'm also a professor and all those other things. App, app developer. App developer. Don't forget that. <laughs> Animator. <laughs> Animator. <laughs> well, it seems like, like let's, let's dial it back. I, I think it's important. Some people might be just meeting you for the first time here um, and, and take some context of, of sort of uh, where you started. Like just let's, let's, talk about what got you into this and from mm -hmm. that those early stages and you know of, of your career just kind of take it from there well originally i went to school and studied graphic design um which i think was was largely my mom's influence she was an art teacher and so there were always always art projects um and i think she sort of lured me into graphic design because she really wanted me to be able to do you know something creative but also be able to support myself. So that was, and it was a really perfect fit for me because I felt like it was problem solving and it was both words and pictures. And so um, it wasn't a, a forced push. It was just a gentle nudge. And it kind of really was where my head was for a long time. Um, but when I got out of school, I worked for a design studio and, um, and I started noticing that the most interesting work in the studio was really going to the illustrators. Um, so I started kind of thinking, you know, in the back of my head, it would be it would be really interesting to kind of combine the image part. The, the, and there were some opportunities too in that studio um, to, to sometimes take over the image making when um, sometimes when there wasn't enough of a budget or mm -hmm. or there was a tight t turnaround. So that was that was a lot of fun. Was there a, was there a drawing sort of background there at all? Did you is that how you ideated and then you just kind of migrated into okay, my drawings are my finished product type of thing or Ah, I was I always think. a little bit more technical than that. Yeah. I think for me, I you know, as a designer, I was I was pretty good at drawing, but I wasn't an illustrator. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't a drawer. Um, but I've always been able to draw well enough to get my ideas across. And I think I you know, starting with starting with sketches with just a pencil and paper has always been kind of like the basic place where everything starts. Um, but since I was a designer. I think there was a comfort in putting images together with um, with collage, with starting to combine images with photography and collage and working more that way. Um, this was also kind of at the, the beginning of Photoshop. And um, that was a really, like, that was a really important tool for me just because it it, it gave me scaling and, and sizing and coloring and all those things and, and the, the magical undo button. Oh, um, but yeah, it was great. But, um, how often have you, I'm sorry, but I, I was just thinking this the other day, if my life had an undo button, like when, yeah. You, <laughs> oh my gosh. Especially on home, home, home ownership projects. Right. I didn't right. mean to put that there. <laughs> yeah. But the, well, the thing at the, at the time it was just one undo though. It wasn't the, oh, the, it history. Didn't have the history. Didn't have the history. That came much later. They so keep expanding <laughs> that, which is good. And you can take like right. snapshots of, but, um, describe your aesthetic at that time. Like, did you have a style? Did you have a, mm -hmm. uh, and is it different than it, it is yeah, now? Yeah, it was a little, it was a little more adult then, I think. Um, I think it's gotten progressively a little bit more, more childish. And I mean that in a good way, but it's been more playful. I think it was a little bit more, yeah, it was more, more sophisticated at that point. Um, corporate? Probably, uh, corporate's a, a scary word, but yeah, it might've been a little bit know. more, a little bit more corporate, a little bit cleaner. Um, it's gotten a little bit messier as I've gone forward to purposefully. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're probably a lot more confident in, in what you can communicate now versus then. Right? I think so. I think, I mean, I think that's always a struggle to try and, you know, be confident with, um, with your ideas and presenting. I still cringe a little bit when I, you know, send sketches off to a client. Um, I don't think that stuff goes away, but you, you kind of have to embrace, you have to embrace that, you know, own the idea and send it off anyway. And, and if you can't, be confident, then you can, you can kind of pretend and just, you know, right. <laughs> In terms of your evolving style, I mean, you, you are obviously very aware of what you've done and you said it was purposeful. How, how do you approach something like that over the course of, of years? You know, like, is there a moment in time where you're like, I'm changing it or did it um, happen in a, a little bit more of a, a smooth way? I think there are, there are moments in time when I intentionally try and change it. Um, but if I look at my work, I feel like it sort of migrates back to, um, to whatever my style is or whatever, whatever constitutes my style. I think when I'm beginning a new book now, I take a moment, I'm doing that right now, where I'm taking a moment to try something really different, to try and make a shift. And I know that ultimately I'll, I'll use maybe 10% of that new shift and I'll, I'll think about the style then, but I know that it also will, um, will still end up looking like my work at the end of the day, no matter how hard 
I try and like move in a different direction. I think because your style is sort of a combination of your whole thought process and all the work you've done in the past. You can't really step out of it that much all the time. Just real quick in terms of like, you know, Baltimore in general. So you, you, you know, you've had this corporate job. You, you did that for a little while. You discovered that, you know, interesting projects were happening on the illustration and what happens next in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. why did you pick Baltimore and, and why'd you stay in Baltimore and, and how you feel like that's right. influenced you? Well, I, I picked Baltimore for the first job that I had out of school, which is where Dave and I met. So that was, um, that was a good, a good call. But, good call. Good call. But, um, Dave, good call. <laughs> but um, when things at the, at that studio changed and um, I found that my job was going to change a little bit and, and I wanted to get out of there, I picked sort of the opposite experience and I went to work for a little mom and pop shop where I knew I could have complete creative control, um, but I, I wouldn't have um, the creative community around me as much, but I would have a little bit more freedom. Mm-hmm. And I spent those next couple of years um, learning how to do interactive design and training people how to work on computers. Um, and that lasted a couple of years until uh, they, they ran out of money. Um, and I got laid off and, um, and that's when I started going out on my own and doing, doing freelance work. Dave had been doing it for a little bit by then. And I decided it was kind of time to, to make the leap. How, how was that scary? Was that, how did you feel at that yeah, time? It was terrifying in a way, but it was also, uh, you know, at that point I didn't make that much money, so it wasn't too hard to get enough jobs together mm. to kind of replicate my, my salary. <laughs> it was kind of a blessing and a curse, I guess. But, um, but once I had a handful of clients, I realized that it was actually a lot more stable than working for a full-time studio because right. you know I was seeing people lose their jobs all the time when you're freelancing. When you're when you're working for a small studio, sometimes sometimes layoffs happen. And this way, I was working for you know three or four small studios, and then starting to get magazine work. And um, so, in a way, I felt like I had a little bit more of a safety net than I had before. Is it, at this point, is this? A balance of graphic design and illustration is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's the ratio there? It was yeah, it was. I I would say about it was probably still seventy five percent design. I would go into studios and I would I would freelance for them, and then twenty five percent was starting to be illustration, whether it was for those clients or building into other clients. Yeah. Back then, how did you um, pitch your work or pitch yourself to um, from a design standpoint versus an illustration standpoint? How did you go out and find that work? Um, I had an illustration portfolio that I had sort of cobbled together by then, which was, you know, printouts mostly at that point. Um, and then the design work um, was, a, I guess, a separate portfolio, but there was some overlap in there. I would show, you know, show people both. Uh, and sometimes that worked and I would get illustration and design work from the same client. So, you know, at that point, I think it was more, some of the, some of the early promotion we did was just sending out postcards and, and they were surprisingly effective at that Hmm. point. Um, it's probably a little harder to get noticed now, but at that point I felt like, you know, a few good, well-printed postcards in front of the right art director could, could get you the next job. Right. I feel like the postcard is now you can put postcards on Instagram and I've obviously seen a lot of your work online and it's just, it's very easy, you know? Of course, I, mean, I was looking for it. But. As an art director, I get a lot of postcards. I will say they, the, the ones that are done uniquely and really well um, do still stand out. I think what I've noticed is access to um, what I think used to be really premium techniques. So like mm-hmm. um, some UV, mm-hmm. spot UV, things right. like those things are just run off over the internet right now. So like everybody's, you know, hitting their logo with whatever. But it's just the ones that just take it a step above do get notice. I think that's, that's the only thing. I don't, I don't feel like anybody's dialed them back, especially photographers. Right. They are all in on the, on the postcard. But I think once, you know, even if you keep it as a sample, even though I don't know why not use the sample, it's still cool to have that tactile. I think they're still relevant, but I feel like now you have to approach it from all different angles and, you know, pay attention to. That's just one tactic, right? Yeah. One of many. Yeah. But, but we still, I mean, we still do postcard mailings. Um, and we've always tried to bring the level of them up a little bit higher. I think that's what made us stand out in the beginning was that, you know, with a graphic design background, we could make sure the type, you don't want to send something to a, an art director and have bad type on it. Um, and just taking care to make sure the presentation was really spot on mm-hmm. was, was helpful for us. 
but uh, I feel like everyone's up their game now. So yeah, it's a little harder to stand out. There's, there's just so many places you have to be. And that's, that's I get anxiety about that. Just like mm-hmm. in kind of getting this up and running. You're like, right. Just making one post this morning. It's not one post. It's in like five different locations. <laughs> and <laughs> and you have to craft each one for exactly. the different well, thing. That guy has to craft them. But I, you know, I just need to copy and paste it into that. But <laughs> it is, it's just mm-hmm. like, did I, did I get all of them? Right. Did I, you know, certain people are going to be looking at this thing and we don't want them to get bored because if they're over here, they're going to see kind of the same thing and we got to twi- twist it up a little bit. So. Yeah. It's kind of like we all have our own TV shows now, basically. And we're, <laughs> and you can't do all that stuff well. And I think you, you also have to dial it back and go, okay, I'm going to focus on just making the work. Yeah. Because that's the most important part. That Yeah. I was, I was just thinking that because you, we already touched on your broad array of um, projects and your multi like seven seven title title um but you also have to do the work right so how have you found the time to do the illustrating work illustration work that you do the app work the authoring of books and things like that just talk a little bit about how you manage your own time yeah i think um (laughs) by working a lot i think is is the only real answer is just thinking about um if you have those projects that are self-directed, like the app and the books and those things are, those are things that I don't have a client looming over me and I don't have a deadline. Um, so it's even more important that I sort of stay, stay focused and, and get something done on it every day. Um, when I started wanting to do books and really decided to make a definite effort, my, my rule kind of was just work on it for an hour every day. It, you know, which is not very much time, but um, but at the end of the month, you know, you'll have a substantial body of work. So it was just sort of like just, and I think that's that's generally my approach is just sheer persistence. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to commit to something full time necessarily, but you do have to like be on it every day. If it's a real goal that you're setting up, you have to think, you know, how can I move this forward even a tiny bit? It doesn't, it doesn't matter right. how small, just to push it forward. Are right. your car rides home like in silence because you have so much time? <laughs> <laughs> Are you dictating things no. to your phone? <laughs> so it depends. Sometimes, sometimes I've had moments where like I just need quiet. Or I, but no, actually lately I've been maybe listening to podcasts too much. Um, Any podcast. There is no such thing. <laughs> There's no such thing as too much podcast. No. Not right now, no. I think... Um, it depends on my mood. Sometimes if I, if I need to turn my brain off, then yes, it is silence. All the way home. But, um, that's, you know, that's one of the few times where I feel like I actually kind of control everything around me is in the car. So that's, yeah. that's precious time too. And I can't draw or make notes or anything. Let's dig into to the books a little bit, if you don't mind, cause I'm just, I'm very intrigued by this. So when did you start thinking you wanted to create books and be the author and the illustrator and sort of rule the entire sort of project, I guess. And how did you research that, et cetera? Yeah. I, I mean, I remember the first moment I thought about it, I was still in college and I, um, and I remember thinking that would be really amazing. That would be absolutely incredible. And then I remember like two seconds after that thinking, I have none of the skills for that. I could design it, which would be awesome. And I probably, it would have made sense to go in that direction, but I kind of um, kind of put it to the side for a while. But after I had kind of wiggled my way into illustration, um, it became, it became something that was more, more feasible. And I think the idea of writing it too was maybe, maybe partially necessity. I would have been completely happy to, to, to illustrate somebody else's book. And I've done that as well. But I think in order to get a pitch in front of a publisher, I realized I needed to have a story with it. And so, so, Researching at one thing, you know, initially just getting involved with um, SCBWI, which is the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. They have a ton of great resources and just um, really going through everything they had and reading reading up on it was a good place to start to understand how to pitch a book because it's, it's a very specific process, I think. Um, Can you touch on that a little bit? Because that, that's the part I want to kind of talk about. I mean, where do yeah, you start? Yeah. You know, once you, I mean, well, the starting part, I guess, after assuming that you've got an idea for a book and you, you know, thumbnail it out and start doing revisions, you, you know, the, the, the thing that you're presenting to a publisher is a book dummy. It's not a completed book. So what they really want to see is, um, is sketches of the entire thing with, with your type in place. And this is approaching it as an author illustrator. If you're just an author or just an illustrator, your approach might be a little bit different, but they want to see the whole dummy sketched 
and it's usually in a 32-page form. And, um, and then they want to see a few pieces of final art, so maybe a couple spreads and maybe a cover. So that's, you know, that's the main thing that you're, you're bringing to them. And then the, then it actually gets a little bit you know, tougher, I think, in some ways, because you need to figure out what's the right fit, who's the publisher that would be interested in this. Um, I have an agent now that helps me with that. But in the beginning, I was trying to research that myself and do it myself. And I was being rather unsuccessful. So did you land in like a, an interview before you had an agent? Or are you researching like who that contact person is just to get that in front of them? I was, I was researching what what publishers would be interested in then sending them letters and saying, Hey, what do you think about, about, about this book idea? And then I would wait for like six months sometimes for a reply. I would get answers back, um, sometimes. And then I would send it out again. Like once it got rejected from one, I would send it on to the next. It was very, very slow. And that, that was not the, that was not the best plan. I think I mean, it was the only way I could do it at that time. Cause I didn't have an agent. Did you ever consider self-publishing? At, at any I point? did. I did. And I think, you know, the thing about self-publishing, it, one, it's like the quality of books that you can print now is amazing. You mm. can print a book that looks fantastic. Um, and I think it's a great option for a lot of people. Um, the, the trick is the marketing of it. And I think I realized pretty early on that, that I, could, I could make the book. It would look professional in every way, but no one would really see it. It would be kind of like me with a stack of books. <laughs> yeah. Um, although some people have, have had great success with them. So, uh, know. good night stories for rebel girls. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Book? Yeah. Th- that was, it was it started as self-published. They self-published and then they got, actually, I think they continue to self-publish it. Do they? Even, mm-hmm. they, even yeah. after getting a lot of, um, I guess, publishers wanting to publish it, they had they've created stayed alone. Yeah, they did the kick, <laughs> Kickstarter f- program and everything. And now they've just kind of, it's, it's a, it's cool. It was a cool story. And I'm just wondering like, you know, is that something that, could be an outlet if people are having mm-hmm. trouble getting. Definitely. Yeah. I think, I think Kickstarter and things like that are, are, are a real place where there are a lot of success stories. I think you can't underestimate also though, how much work it is that, yeah. that the, the, the things that the marketing people do at publishing houses, um, it's a ton of work. And if it goes well, you can reach a really big audience. I think if you're going to self-publish, you've got to have a really serious marketing plan and know that you're going to commit more time to the marketing of it probably than to the creation of it. So, so yeah, I, I think it's, we have more options now than we've ever had. And again, the quality is amazing. You can get your book, you know, listed everywhere, but yeah, I, I do appreciate a couple things that come with the traditional publisher. And one of them is that the marketing help. And the other is, um, is my editor and art director and their guidance. I think it's, yeah. it's, um, when I, when I think about the books and what they look like now versus what they would have looked like if I was on my own or had a, a critique group, I think that their, their opinions and advice made, them, made my books better books. So I think for me, that's, that's an important part too. When you, going back to the process of actually um, pitching and getting published, you mentioned getting rejection letters and things like that. Um, are they generally form letters or are you getting any type of criticism that would help you understand why they said no? And um, then were you making changes along the way? Yeah, uh, I would say, yes, most of them are form letters, but there were a few that were, um, there were really thoughtful notes from editors. And I just, I really appreciated that because they actually took time to, you know, write a couple paragraphs of what I could do to change it. So I did. One of those editors actually ended up publishing my first book, a different first book, but um, there was, yeah, there was an editor where I went back and forth with a few times and made revisions. It still didn't work out, but eventually, you know, we, by, I think the thing that it really did was it, it um, got us to know each other. So it was about developing that relationship, which maybe took 10 years. And then she bought my first book. Wow. So, oh, wow. So, yeah, if you get a personal rejection letter back or, or a request for changes from an ed- editor, I'd say, take it really seriously and see if. You know, one, you have to think, do I want to make these changes? Do I agree with them? And then, and then two, follow up either way, follow up with a thank you. <laughs> I guess it must mean in some way that it was worthwhile because if you'd gotten form letters that said no, but then you got somebody who actually was in some way conversing with you, I guess you can read into that, that they might actually feel like there's something there. I think if, if they, they won't respond, if they don't feel like, right. like there's not potential there. I think if you get, yeah, if you get that kind of personal letter, you should take it as, uh, as what is intended, like real advice and real professional advice that, yeah, you should definitely take seriously. End to end, um, timeline 
on the on a on a book development. What, what do we? <laughs> so long. <laughs> so long. Because <laughs> so I can be off putting for some people too. To, right. to your point about patience and right. So yeah, I think um, I, like right now I'm working on a book that I like. I think. I think generally for me right now, it's working into like a year of coming up with the idea and a year of, of doing the art kind of thing. It's, um, but you know, they're stacked a little bit. So I, I'm trying to hit a point where I'm doing about a book a year. If I were doing it more full time, I could maybe do a couple books. But the, the point at which I hand off the art to my publisher and to, to when it's on the shelves, that's about a whole year in itself. And there are a lot of like revisions and proofs along the way and things are happening but, um, but yeah, it is definitely something that you measure in years, not months, generally. Right. That's, that's good context. This manages people's expectations, I mm-hmm. think, of what, if they want to get into this type of thing. Right. You just you have to kind of take the long, yeah. the long approach the on long it. Long game. Like, I'm working on a book now that's not the next book. I'm working like two books ahead right now, and um, it's it's a little frustrating just because you know you feel like you can't talk about the book that's not even close to being marketed yet. But um, but on the other hand, when my last book came out in October, it was kind of like it was kind of like seeing an old friend. It was like, oh, there's that. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a year and it's been away, and it's almost like it's you know you're visiting it again and thinking, yep, I I think this part was good, but maybe maybe yeah. I changed that, but maybe not. That's so cool. And then to kind of jump forward here a little bit, some of these books have translated into apps. Sort of, sort, sort of, of, sort of. Actually, the other way around. I think the app was came, it. Yeah, okay, so the that's app a good question. First. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I, that was my question. What did the marketing team say? Hey, Joyce, these would make great apps, or were they started as apps? No, so that's, that's interesting. Was, I, well, it was that. Well, well the Shape Book okay. um, is kind of yeah came after the Shape app, and and um, this was you know during time I was working on a few ideas, but I hadn't come up with the Shape Book yet. But I was I was trying to make an app, um, and Shape seemed like a really logical topic since my work is kind of heavily shape based. Um, and I knew that I was going to have a big learning curve with that. So, um, so yeah, I started making the app. That actually kind of helped with the book. I think when I came to the publisher okay. and said, hey, I have this app and now I want to do this book, they, they felt like, oh, that was a built-in audience. By the way, the trapezoid level really messed me up on Saturday night. <laughs> Excellent. I, uh, I could not get past that level. But I had to really zoom shape. in. And I'm like, oh, there it is. I think. <laughs> like, I can't. I'd like this. <laughs> I need to grab another whiskey or something. That might have been the reason, Sean. Um, so, well, now I want to hear the exact same sort of process for the app that we, you went through with the book. Right. Because I, I actually thought it was the other way around, but. You would think, right? High tech and low tech, but no, I'm, (laughs) I think, um, for me, the apps weren't really that appealing of a thing to work on. I didn't think when I was like thinking about, well, you know, phones, a little tiny screen and it wasn't that impressive. But then when the iPad came out, which has been quite a while now, I realized, um, it, it was like having this little screen that had your whole portfolio on it. It was this beautiful, you know, surface for art. Um, and there were a few apps that were coming out that were showing, Showing like Alice in Wonderland kind of apps that would show, you know, be basically an ebook sort of thing. Um, and that's when it kind of hit me that this is a really great platform and I wanted to make one. So that process is really, uh, was really different because um, I, you know, I didn't have the technical skills to, to do it. I felt like on that one, I had the illustration skills. I had an idea. I, I figured I could do something based on shapes. And, and um, so I started coming up with ideas and just seeing if I could actually uh, make something and code it and make it actually, you know, so it was, it was kind of a research. I think I, I got the app making for dummies book <laughs> and I, I, I didn't do real well. I love I this. Tried I love a, it. I tried great. a bunch of different like, things. I was expecting you to go like, and we farmed it out to this yeah. tech guy. That too. I, I looked at that, I lo- but I also realized I'm a little bit of a control freak. And I thought, you know, I want to control like every part of this movement and I didn't have a budget for it. This is just something I was trying out. Um, so I ended up deciding I was going to code it myself, which I, it was, was still a big, huge challenge, Yeah. but, um, and, and I wouldn't say, I would say that's the, that's my weak spot in the process is, is understanding the, the technology part of it and not, you know, <laughs> not having control of it. Um, well, the courage just to even try that. That's- I, uh, that's. I literally thought the same thing Sean thought. I was like, well, okay. So you thought of an app and then had somebody who makes apps make yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, that I, I went through kind of like with the book thing, I went through a few versions of, well, do I self-publish this? Do I, how do, what's the process? 
Um, so with this, I ended up using Corona SDK, which is like a software development kit and you code it in Lua, which um, at that time I felt like was the right choice. And I figured out really slowly just making, you know, one image, getting it on my iPad, figuring out how to, how to code it well enough. And the, the, in that app, the, um, it doesn't do a lot, a lot, right? You kind of, yeah. you, you look at the picture, you click on the shapes and it gives you some response. So once I had the framework for one screen, then I was really just duplicating it. And the thing that changed was all the art. But that said, the coding really, yeah, it really killed me. But if you listen, the, the thing that I, that I love about that app is that everything in it pretty much was created in our studio. Yeah. So, um, I did the art and then I was working um, with our design assistant and she and I did together did some of the animations. Um, the sounds are all of us. There are, my kids are on there. Dave's on there. Anyone that was around is on there. <laughs> um, there's a little bit of music that, and, and sound effects that are, that are stock, but, um, and then the coding is, is mine. So, um, so I felt like by the end of it is, it was very much a, you know, a spur design project. Oh, it's awesome. all, all in the family. The narrator on that is my daughter. Oh, wow. Um, she, had, she had such a great voice. And um, she went on to do the second app, the narration on that one too. But we had to re-record everything because her voice had, she's gotten a little older by then. <laughs> she sounded different. <laughs> the colors one wasn't easy to either. Like yeah. it, it, it kind of falls off screen and you, right. you miss one and you're like, you're that one I had it the all coding. around. And I like, understood the coding a little bit more by then. <laughs> right. Like get it down. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I was say they are, to your point, they're simplistic, but they're not easy. Well, they're not, you're like, uh, like, I was at the Apple store, Apple store the other day. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I was at the Apple store the other day and, um, my son was playing a game on an iPhone and it was, uh, basically your face controlled whether this ball went up and down. And it was almost like the old game Frogger where there were lanes and there oh, were right. little cars going across. And if you, if a ball hit a car, you die, but it was, I mean, he was playing it over and over again and it was, couldn't have been simpler. I mean, it was very, very basic and very nice, nice, nice looking and cool looking. But I just think there's something to that, you know, this repetitive sort of ability to or not ability to to achieve something, you know. Yeah, and for me on those apps, it was also like back to that basic. What what concepts are we like looking at? Like yeah. the colors app, um, you can pick your level of of color knowledge. So you can start with red, green, blue, and all that good stuff, and then you can move up on the levels and. I wasn't ready for those levels. No, no, no aubergine. No, I need to get Because no, I, <laughs> um, I think that like developing that vocabulary, there's nothing tricky about that, but it's it's nice to have a, a different level to it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So out of all of that stuff, um, what was most rewarding for looking at the, the, the book and sort of the educational sphere? What, what do you feel like you're getting out of all that stuff that, that at the end of the day, Get you through the grind of those year <laughs> runways. Most, most rewarding in terms of end product, or well, I mean, wh what are you doing it for? Like, what really? it for? yeah, like I mean, like you don't have to do books, right? I don't know. I, I mean, I love you know, getting to hold a book in your hands is amazing. Um, getting to read it to kids is amazing. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I don't. I don't think there's anything more exciting I could be making. Like to me, books are. Books are the, the highest. You win when you get to this do a was, book. This was the, the, the sort of the thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So was, like there's no, the question about what's next for you, like what are you going to, because you guys yeah. have done animation, you've done apps, you've done mm -hmm. books. Like mm -hmm. when, Right, right. So for me, I, I think for me, books are, yeah, books are like the, the dream come true. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So, um, well, I congratulations can, then. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm done. That's I pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I, I don't know what'll be next. I feel like, um, uh, right now I'd say more, more, more of that, more books, especially maybe more apps if I could, um, but the, you know, the coding part again. So then is it different types of books? Are you going to, yeah. are you going to reach, it, uh, maybe to older demographic? Yes. I think that's the, that's the, so the first books that I'm doing are, are very young and they have, um, a little bit more of an educational bent to them. Um, the new book that's out, Mapping Sam, is talking about like how do you how do you show information with with images. So it talks about how do you you know what's it talks about basic maps like um, subways and roads and things like that. But it also maps things like how does a flower grow or um, anything really. Like it, it talks about mapping a dream, mapping something that's not necessarily um, a, a concrete idea. So. 
those are, are more educational books. And I think the next ones, the next ones are still have an educational angle to them too. Um, but I want to keep playing with the narrative part of it, the storytelling part mm -hmm. of it. I'm fairly sure we're going to come back here in a year and you're going to have become a AR VR designer, virtual reality <laughs> sure. expert, something like that. I don't know. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> you guys aren't doing that right now. Sorry. <laughs> come on, man. What are you guys doing here? Sleeping. But, uh, no, I mean, I think, um, is there someone that, um, whose career you admire in that book arena that, you know, is kind of doing mm -hmm. kind of what you're describing a little bit that you're, you're just, you have met or you, you admire from afar or anything like that? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the thing that I'm talking about doing is really like something that's been around for, for so long that it's nothing new. So there are a ton of people that mm -hmm. I admire. Um, I, you know, I think about, when I think about some of the people that are doing great stuff, everyone talks about, you know, Oliver Jeffers and John Klass, and I love that. That's amazing. But I also look at, like, Patricia Polacco, who does, like, great narrative storytelling based on her her personal experiences. I think there's so many great storytellers that I would I would hope to. <laughs> well, that, that's an interesting point. Where, do, where does your inspiration sort of come from? And are you mm -hmm. drawing on personal experiences? And will you expect to do that in the future? Or are you have another way to go about to get those narrative kernels. Yeah. I think, I think when you are pulling from your personal experience, you have to, you know, you have to have a certain um, story of your life that's unique. And I think looking back at looking back at, you know, at my life growing up, I don't think it's like particularly weird or strange, but I think we all kind of think that about our lives. We always, always think about um, our life as being like kind of normal. Quote unquote normal. Yeah. yeah and I, maybe, so maybe it's not, um, but I think also moving off of that and just imagining anything can can also be really effective. So yeah, I'm I'm looking at things that are maybe a little bit more fantastic um, and a little bit more more imagined as well. I'm looking at also longer narratives, thinking about some some author illustrators that are going more towards middle grade audiences, um, chapter books and things like that. So we will see. I don't know. That's a whole it's <laughs> a whole different thing, and I don't know how to do that. Are you, are you, you, I think you mentioned that you've worked with other writers where you've been the illustrator on a project. Right. But they were sort of educational books. So, um, like they were more like retellings of the city mouse and country mouse, which was great gotcha. from an illustration standpoint, but the, the writing was more, it was more designed to be like an easy reader kind, right. of, kind of thing where vocabulary mattered more than the story. Do you have interest in collaborating with someone else and which would mean you would not be the one in charge of everything or is it, you, you got this whole sort of formula now and you want to stick with that? No, I would definitely, uh, I think collaborating is great. And I think like it, in my case, it would probably be with an author and it would probably, um, it would, it would probably really be interesting because I, right now I'm in this spot where I can like, I can fix problems with either words or pictures. Right. Right. Um, I think when you're collaborating one, it brings just a whole different, a whole different storytelling method to it that I think could be really interesting. Um, and two, it, it doesn't give you that, that out of changing either side of it. You know, right. I can't draw that, so I'll change it. <laughs> um, interesting. So yeah, I would definitely consider that. Uh, but if I stay writing and illustrating, that's, that's perfectly fine too. It kind of gives me no one to, to blame. Right. <laughs> but, right. but other than that, it's good. So at, at Spur currently, are you, are you sort of starting wind down the, the sort of, the access or the projects that come onto your plate in terms of just design projects for the agency or the for studio. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I, I think in terms of the design jobs, usually they're, they're a little bit more headed by, by Dave than mm -hmm. by me. Although, you know, it's hard to separate them out completely. And I think we always, always give each other feedback on things and, and work together to a certain degree. But my focus has really been mostly on the books, a little bit on the apps and then the occasional, animation project where we're really collaborating, which is, you know, kind of a fun, different thing to do as well. And you, you collaborated on the, they might be giants. Right. We've stuff on two, uh, just on the, um, on the stop motion ones. Okay. Um, were so you a fan of them? The was band? I a fan you, of them? Oh, always. Yeah. Always. always yeah. I feel like we, we were listening to they might be giants when we were like just out of school. Um, wow. back when Dave and I were first dating, they were, we were, listening back then. And I think if you told us then that we'd be working with them, we would have just fell on the ground. So <laughs> that's, that, that's awesome. awesome. I, yeah. I don't think a lot of people get to experience that. So it's very, very cool. And it's also a, a, a cool, just example of how you guys 
continue to try to stretch here, yeah. you know, outside yeah. to Jed's joking uh, VR point, but almost not. Oh, joking. I was kind of not yeah. a, a little bit because <laughs> when you were talking about the, you're talking about mapping dreams and things like that. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Her. Um, there's a guy who, um, uh, long story, but there's a video game in it and it reminded me of that. And it's it's uh-huh. sort of VR and it's it's just, I picture your thought process working pretty well in that. So <laughs> well, it's going to happen. It's just uh, here and being here, it's, it's, you guys, I feel like you guys are very um, courageous in a way that, you know, Dave told a story about how you guys didn't know how to do the stop motion and, but, but you, you figured out a way you guys are, have this find a way DIY attitude. Mm. Um, do you continue to have that? Is that just how you guys are the DNA of this place? I think that, I think that's a constant in a creative field field. And I think that, um, when we don't know how to do something, we, we may not know how to do the whole thing. And this goes for the apps as well as the stop motion, but we know how to break it down into pieces that are, small enough that we, we can figure them out. And then if you don't know how to do that other part, well, you, you know, you, you've kind of put it to the side for a moment while you figure out the parts that you do now. So with the stop motion, you know, I, I knew how to do enough of it that I felt like, you know, and, and there's so, so much overlap when you think about you doing a storyboard for an animation. Well, there's a lot of overlap between that and thumbnails for a book. It's not exactly the same thing. And I, and it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't overlap completely, but once you kind of realize, well, I do know how to do make a sequence of images that tell a story, it's not such a, a big leap to say, okay, well, now it's going to be an animation instead. Um, yeah, so just bit by bit. I think one of my one of our rules in general is like if someone asks you, you know, can you can you do something, you you do your very best to say, yep, I can do that, and then you know, and then you step back and you figure out, make sure that it, that your your plan is really solid and you can do it. Um, but when we were doing the stop motion for They Might Be Giants, we were pretty upfront that, yeah, we haven't done that exactly, but it'll work. Now, did you guys craft a narr- like a short narrative or treatment or something that, that had the, the sort of pitch process back to the band go? Yeah, I think, well, the first one was a little bit different because we came in part way um, oh. and worked from someone else's animatic. Um, but the second one, um, Dave and I really just sat down and, and talked about it. We, we He had a, an overall idea of... Um, of wanting to pull visually from some of these old Victorian silhouette artists. There's this one called the puffy sleeved artist that we were looking at a lot. Um, so we both really liked that visual direction and, um, and he started working out what the story would be on that one. And I started working out what the characters would look like from that sort of general direction. So it was kind of a lot of back and forth. Um, but then, you know, pitching it to, to the band, they, they're really great because they actually, they, they have a really good understanding of how to put these things together visually. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes clients, you don't mesh with their visual ideas. And yeah. I think with them, they, um, they know a lot about putting together moving images and videos. So it, it really worked well. One of those has um, like sort of practical photography. Is that found footage or is that? Oh, are you talking about the ones that are drawn on top yes, of that? That's where yes. Dave worked. Yeah, Dave worked on those um, with other artists, so he's probably the better one. The ones that I worked on are really more the stop motion Got it. pieces. Very yeah. cool. So, uh, Joyce, you you guys started a business, and you've talked a lot about individual work that you've done. You've talked about work that you and Dave have done together, but I also know that you hire out others to help you, and you've you've got employees. So, uh, how did you? develop your management style and what is your management style? <laughs> I was going to say poorly. <laughs> um, I think one thing that we, we know about ourselves is that we are not maybe the best managers that we, we both want to be working. We both want to be you know, at the board drawing. Um, so I would say, you know, that, that might be a place where <laughs> we've been really fortunate that we hire great people. Um, and they, they tend to stay with us for, <laughs> for a while. Um, but I, I, I don't think we're great at, at handing work over to them all the time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's, that's one of those areas where it's hard to be, it's hard to do the business side of things well. So I think what we've done well is to keep it kind of simple, keep our group small, um, and hire people who we really respect and who are awesome artists. Um, so that part of it has worked well, but like, do, do, are we the best at managing them? Probably not. <laughs> well, but it's, you just identified something that you know about yourselves and if people have stayed with you for a good period of time it must mean that you're doing something right so 
I hope so. I, I think, you know, we've, yeah, I think we've been really fortunate. Um, and we've had some great people in here over the years. Um, our bookkeeper's been with us for the longest. She's been with us for, I think, 20 plus years now. Um, and then other people, I think, eventually probably outgrow us because where, where can you advance in a company that's so small? You know, you, they eventually go out and do um, their own thing. But some of them are doing awesome other things. So I'm really, you know, kind of excited to watch them sort of graduate from us, move on to bigger things. And um, some of them have become good illustrators. Some of them are running their own studios. So how do you feel? I mean, is, is Baltimore in terms of a creative culture now, how do you feel like it, it either helps or hurts you as a studio? And do you think just there's a, this is a good pool of talent yeah. at this point in time? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Baltimore is great. Cause I, I feel like it gives you, you know, one cost of living is pretty reasonable but two, you still have access to everything that you need to have. Um, for me, you know, it's it may not it may not have the pool like if we you know we lived in New York. I guess yes, I guess we would be interacting with people a little bit more. Um, but when people are hiring us, I don't think they really care where we're working. I think they're they're pretty. For a while, for a while, I think they used to confuse us as being in California because we had a similar zip code at some point. Right. Um, so I, I don't think that they really mind or care too much where we are. And, and, you know, so it's not really something that's, I think you can work from anywhere at this point. Um, it really doesn't, doesn't affect me except that I would say that there's a, there's a small, strong creative community here. And, um, and a lot of that's centered also around Micah where I teach, um, that, you know, is super strong and super creative and doing amazing work. So with, with, the Micah connection and then with the other professional connections we have. Um, yeah, I think, I think Baltimore is a great place. Right. I feel like you, you said, and also Dave said that it doesn't, people don't really care where you come from. And I feel like that might be a little bit true, but I'll just have to say that I think the work that you guys do is probably the reason, but also I've noticed in both of you, there's a vibe of, um, I don't want to say laid back, but it doesn't seem like you guys get pissed off a lot. Is that, is that true? <laughs> I, th- I, I think that's probably true. Yeah. I'm, I would say that temperament wise, we're probably pretty calm. I probably, I'm probably super calm and Dave's pretty calm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, working with clients with, with things that are artistic in nature and totally subjective leads to a lot of times, at least in, in my experience, things that you don't agree with. But right. if you handle those the way that you uh, have generally um, seem to me, then it's probably good for relationships. Well, I think it's tough, you know, it's tough to set aside. Like when someone says something you don't agree with, it is, it takes a minute to set it aside and you know, take a breath. I, I think, I think we're to the point where, you know, we're not going to take it personally. This is a, it's a professional job. So if you get feedback from a client, you agree with it or you disagree with it, or, or you have to just think about it for a minute. And I think it really depends on that particular advice. If I don't agree with it, then it's my job to try and shift it back to, <laughs> to the right solution um, as as gently as I can. Um, but also, I think the people that hire us see our work and they they get it. Like they wouldn't just hire us accidentally. I don't think. And right. I think that's okay. Like we we don't appeal to everyone, um, and that's fine. That's great. So they probably they probably they probably self sort a little bit and right. stay away from us right. if we're right. too strange. Uh, what design trend right now are you seeing that maybe just aggravates you? A design trend that aggravates me. <laughs> um, I can say with, well, I'll, I'll say with, with illustration work in particular, and I think this translates into design as well. It's, there's um, a focus on, I, I would say, a lot of manga and anime influence, which is is fine. It's a great place to start, and I feel like I want to see people come come forward from that and integrate it and mix it into their work as as opposed as opposed to being like derivative of it. Right. So I'm seeing that, and some of it's, I think there's always some influence like that, like whether it's um, a particular decade that people are going back to or or a particular style that they're copying. I think that's, but that's, that's kind of constant. Yeah. Like we're always doing that. How do you encourage your students to find like 
their lane or their voice mm-hmm. or their aesthetic. I actually tell them to go ahead, embrace it, do it, copy that, and like channel it, and then absorb it, and then bring it into your style versus trying to get them to never do that again. Like mm-hmm. I think I think mm-hmm. I also get them to look at artists that incorporate different styles where you can see an influence, but you know, but the work isn't being um, completely covered by the influence. Mm-hmm. So I, I try and get them to look at that, and then I try and get them to look at historical artwork that's that's amazing. That also that you know that the people that they are inspired by were also inspired by. Um, so looking back at, at historical work and and just broadening what they're looking at, rather than you know we're all we're all getting so many images from Instagram and mm-hmm. all that, um, which is great. But I think it has to be supplemented by, you know, what stood the test of time, mm-hmm. which makes me sound super, yeah. super old school right now, right? But No, but I think that's, and I, we talked about this earlier off, off air, off mic, whatever. Um, that's what we love about your guys' work. It, is, it has a timeless nature and, and oh, that, you know, I, it doesn't feel like anybody's chasing trends here. And I think you guys are, are your own thing and you're, there's a confidence in that. And there's a, there's just a, a I don't want to say being comfortable, but there is, mm-hmm. you guys aren't trying to kid yourself or, or you're not cheating any clients. You're not going after these types of projects that are out of your wheelhouse. And I think there's something to be said for that because I think those things come and go. And with Instagram, right. we're talking like come and go in like 20 <laughs> minutes, maybe. Right. <laughs> right. So it's good at hearing and, and just, you know, kind of blocking out that noise a little bit, I think is very, mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah. I think, I mean, and they're great images that you know, we're, we're surrounded with all day long, thanks to Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we should stop looking at those. I think we just need to like keep looking at other sources to go back to go back and look at history, go back and find something in a museum that you really like that, that is also, I mean, it's just, just as amazing, maybe even more amazing that, um, that that stuff has stood, stood the test of time. It's still here and it's influenced everything that came after. So, yeah. Are there, um, Instagram handles, um, or artists on Instagram that you follow that you would recommend? <laughs> Not that I have in front of me, no. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I certainly, it's interesting because I think there are a handful of people that I wouldn't know of otherwise. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't tell you that. <laughs> I couldn't tell you without my phone. Um, it's a rabbit hole. I know. It's just, it's and I think like one and then really is. linked to another person. And you're like, what? Yeah, but I think, and they're almost like quasi relationships that yeah, happen right, because yeah. of it. That I think that those were amazing. That's really great. Um, so I, yeah, I'd say, yeah, keep keep looking at that stuff. Just don't only look at that stuff. We all get stuck in our phones. But right. how about you? Are you are you starting to see um, like a following develop based on you know you know you being now an author and an illustrator with, mm-hmm. with that sort of segment of mm-hmm. the audience? Um, I I definitely notice more of my followers are are interested in picture books now I guess you know you can see you can kind of get a sense that they're that they're finding me from that or teachers too that are like finding me through through that side which is great because I think if you can find your right audience you know I, I always feel like you know as illustrators we're we're all basically like unknown we're all we all haven't no one's seen anybody's work I feel like we're all equally unfamous um, and I think that that's kind of okay because it means you have like an audience to find still. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I have a, a small and growing audience, but I think um, it'll be interesting to see if they shift more towards authors and illustrators and teachers or where they go. Yeah, that's cool. It's right at the beginning of this. is very very fun. Yeah, to watch. It's kind of fun. All right, well, well, Joyce, this has been awesome. And what we want to do now is maybe get to the meat of this show. Basically, the the promise that, that we hope to deliver on each and every episode. And that's the creative house. And what those are meant to be um, are very utilitarian. So whenever somebody turns off this podcast, whether it be after they've just gotten to work or at night, when they wake up next the next morning and they've got it in their head that they want to be an illustrator or a designer or an author or an app developer or an animator. <sighs> VR expert. VR. <laughs> what is your advice? And then again, they can be, very utilitarian and tactical or philosophical in nature. Okay. So my first thing I would say is, is persistence, persistence, persistence. I think you, you can be super talented and wonderful and amazing, but if you're not persistent, you won't make any progress in this. So 
I would say, you know, every day push, push one thing forward. If it's just uh, 15 minutes, you can, can work on moving yourself forward or, or an hour um, to do that every day. Persistence is, is the first thing and the most important thing, better, more important even than being good. I think it's being persistent. Um, the second thing I would say is find your community. Make sure that you surround yourself with the most amazing creative people that you can find. Um, if you have that, that community around you, it's like a, a source of um, opinions when things are, when you're unsure about what to do next. It's also just the, the energy that happens in that creative space when there's more than one person. I think my biggest fear when I left school was that I would, I would lose all those great people around me that were like giving me advice, um, which is kind of what, what led me to my, my first job was that there was a small creative community there. And one of those people happened to be Dave. Um, but I think just having, having people that will challenge you, even if it's just like, Oh, I want to be doing what they're doing. Even if it's that kind of challenge that, that that's another really important thing. Um, and then the, the third thing that I would say is really important is that it is to remember that it is your job to make it interesting. That if you get an assignment, um, and this happened a lot in editorial, and I think it was really helpful for me. If you get an assignment that you think is not that exciting, well, that's exactly why they hired you. That's what you're supposed to bring. If they had something interesting to show, they would have just shown it. But your job is to figure out a way to make an idea that is so interesting that you want to draw it or make it. Um, that it's that just because the subject matter isn't exciting doesn't mean the image or the artwork that goes with it shouldn't be exciting. It should be. It should be fantastic. It should be, you know, thrilling. And, and you should look for, by the time you present your sketches to your client, they should be ones that you're excited to start drawing. I, I love that. That's, I think, just application on day-to-day -day level, what we do. And we get, a lot of times we'll, we'll find ourselves bemoaning the quote-unquote brief, right? right? And like, what are we supposed to do with this? And I think that is, that turns it on its head. And it's your job. Why yeah. are you here? Right. The, if they could have done this and made it interesting, they wouldn't even be talking to you. Right. And if you're bored doing it, then your audience is going to be bored looking at it. So. That, is, that is a really cool unlock, I think. It's funny. I wrote a blog post about that. I don't think I've put it up yet, but Sean and I talk about this a lot. And I use the word, uh, not to Sean, but if you act like a poopy pants when you get your, uh, <laughs> your, your job and you don't see it the way you just described as something that you actually get a chance to actually make awesome, and that is your job, then, you know, you're acting like a little poopy pants. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't be a poopy pants. If I was asked, that would be one of my house. Well, save that for your house. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Well, Joyce, this has been great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You dropped a lot of knowledge. Yeah, that was I great. I think uh, people are going to have a fun time maybe taking some notes or they're going to read the notes that Jed provides because they're lazy and Jed is a go-getter. That's right. <laughs> so... We want people to find you and continue to help you build that audience. So can you run down um, websites, social handles, publishers, whatever, anything you want to connect with? Okay. So my main website is JoyceHesselberth.com. Um, our studio website is SpurDesign.com. Um, Twitter and Instagram handles are both Hesselberth. I have such a weird long last name that it's just Hesselberth. Um, and then... My publisher is Greenwellow Books, which is an an imprint of HarperCollins. All right, they can find the full run there, and, and yeah, and then also oh, also the App Store. You can um, look yeah. for me in the App Store, and I think you can just search for Hesselberth there too, or Presto Bingo Shapes and My Presto Lord. Bingo Colors. And those de de those deceptively simple apps that will fool a forty year old. <laughs> yeah, but see, it's true, Joyce. We we're talking about how many titles you have. That was the most contacts of any guest we've had. <laughs> most ways to find. Oh, no. I feel like That's she's awesome. leaving. Congratulations. Really <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with everything. It was, again, an honor to have you on. And uh, we look forward to um, seeing the progression. And now that we know sort of the vision, um, the books are a very, very cool thing. And just to can see you, the, the chances you guys continue to take. No, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Wow, Jed, if, if you aren't ready to tackle whatever you and I have on, on our plates, if, if we're not ready after listening to this episode, then we probably don't have a pulse because 
her confidence and, and just her courage are so inspiring. And if she doesn't know it, I mean, the biggest thing takeaway, if you don't know it, a fake, like, you know, it, but B go and learn and try it just for the mere fact of mastering something you don't know. Totally agree. And I think the, the show notes for this episode were really, really easy to write. So, um, you're going to learn a lot from them. Please check them out at creativehowpodcast.com. And make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at creativehowpod. And don't be shy about the likes. Smash don't the like. Smash the like. Hit the like. And also subscribe, please. And also review very, very highly. Definitely write a review. Don't be shy, folks. No criticism. Just kidding. <laughs> nah, not really. Hey, Jed. Did you hear our kick-ass intro music? Shockingly, that's out of our technical wheelhouse here at Creative How. That type of sick sound design is a White Noise Lab original. White Noise Lab is a music composition and sound design studio that works with agencies, production companies, and brands on projects for film, broadcasts, interactive websites, corporate videos, video games, and experimental projects. The chances that that movie trailer you just saw on you know, YouTube, that's probably a White Noise Lab original more often than not. So whether you're looking to fulfill your sound design needs or simply need someone to collaborate with on an experimental project or maybe an experimental podcast, check out whitenoiselab.com. That's whitenoiselab.com.